The crusade to inject every single person in the country with the COVID vax, regardless of their age, health, or risk of dying from the Wu flu, has suffered a setback as two young children in Indiana suffer from heart problems after a pharmacist accidentally injected them with the Pfizer COVID vaccine instead of their flu shot family with children four and five years old say they were accidentally given full adult doses of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine instead of flu shots. They say it happened on October 4th at the Walgreens on St. Joseph Avenue. The family of four includes two adults and two young children, both too young for the Pfizer or any other COVID vaccine. Well, the family's attorney, Daniel Tooley, shared with us what he says are vaccination cards given to the family by Walgreens. They show children born in 2016 and 2017 were given a Pfizer coronavirus vaccine. The family says they left the pharmacy thinking they had gotten their flu shots, but a Walgreens employee later called them and said they had made a mistake. Tooley says the children have been taken to a pediatric cardiologist, and the family was told both are showing signs of heart issues. We've reached out to Walgreens several times, but have not yet heard back. Meanwhile, several Nordic countries are pausing one of the vaccines for young people as more and more reports of heart problems crop up. But the ruling class doesn't want us talking about any of those scientific realities. A lot to cover if the powers that be do not censor this show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from Friday is from AM, who says, a school shooter is out on bail after shooting four people, but there were people languishing in jail for months for trespassing and disorderly conduct at most at the Capitol. Yes, this is true. Uh, School shooters, if they don't uh, fit the Democrats' racial and ideological narrative, they they didn't do anything wrong. They're fine. They need to. It's actually a matter of justice that they get out on bail. But the insurrectionists, the worst coup d'état, those people are going to rot. It's not a hypocrisy. It's just. It's just the hierarchy today. <laughs> it's just the way that, that our society operates. And the, the more we deny that, the worse off we're going to be. You know, we, we need to take care of ourselves. We've got to take care of our bodies. We've got to take care of our fellow Americans. We've got to take care of the American rancher. We can do it all at the same time with good ranchers. When was the last time you think you had American meat? Well, you, you probably think you just had it. You go to the grocery store. You just assume you're getting American meat. Sometimes it says local meat. Yeah, it's local to Latin America. <laughs> it's local from far away. Did you know that over 80% of the grass-fed beef sold in the United States is imported from other countries, from overseas very often? Well, GoodRanchers.com has made it safe, convenient, easy, and delicious to get your favorite meat, top-quality meat, to help out the American farmer and rancher. GoodRanchers.com delivers American craft beef and better than organic chicken. They've got T-bones, fillets, strips, gourmet burgers. I especially, I love all their stuff, but the burgers, oh my gosh, they're so juicy and delicious. You get steakhouse quality at a price that every family can afford. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Knowles right now. Save 20 bucks or better yet, subscribe and save on each box of mouth-watering American meats that will show up on schedule right to your door. That is $20 off and free Express shipping if you go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles or use code Knowles at checkout. 20 bucks off free express shipping at goodranchers.com slash Knowles. So much to get to on this Columbus Day. Happy Columbus Day, everybody. We'll get to Christopher Columbus 
a little bit later, one of my favorite holidays of the year. Uh, before that, though, before we speak of the Italian people sailing with the Spaniards, we need to talk of the Nordic people who are right now pausing their, their vaccines. So right now, Sweden, the Sweden Health Ministry announced last Wednesday that it's going to pause injections of Moderna for people age 30 and younger. So it's actually pretty high. We talk about young people, but we're going all the way up to 30 because of risk of heart problems. Denmark has a similar pause for people aged 18 and younger. That according to Bloomberg. Finland, uh, the following day, issued the same kind of pause. The Finnish health official Mika Salminen says that the government's going to pause the injections of, of the Moderna vaccine in people also age 30 and younger. Uh, the reason is myocarditis, which even the CDC and the FDA acknowledge is a risk with the, these vaccines, uh, and specifically in young people. A Nordic study involving Finland, Sweden, Norway, and Denmark found that men under the age of 30 who received the Moderna spike vax had a, had a slightly higher risk than others of developing myocarditis. How slight that risk is, is uh, apparently up for debate. Uh, now, the, the left does not want us to have that debate. Uh, the, the left wants us to pretend that the vaccines are 100% absolutely effective, 100% absolutely safe for every single person. Don't raise any questions. But of course, we know that no matter how safe a vaccine is, there's always going to be some risk. And the, the people who are denying that risk are, are destroying their own credibility. One uh, friend of mine, who, what, who did permit this debate is my friend Alex Michelson. He uh, hosts the show The Issue Is on Fox LA, and he invited me on with uh, a left-winger named Brian Tyler Cohen, and we debated the vaccine mandate issue last Friday. I really enjoyed it. I really liked speaking to both of those gentlemen. I thought it was a productive, respectful debate. So you can watch that debate. Maybe we'll post a link of it somewhere. Uh, but it's uh, me and Brian Tyler Cohen on The Issue Is, and I think we I think we both lay out the case about as well as we can for our respective sides. And I think that the side against the mandates is the winning side because obviously there are legitimate reasons not to get this vaccine. Okay. There was a study came out of UC Davis not that long ago. The study showed that young men, some young men face greater risk from the vaccine than they do of dying from the coronavirus. Okay. And it's, that's just the science and that's just the study and that's just the experts. And I know the left doesn't want us to talk about those scientists and experts, but there it is. It's a real, it's a real study that came out. Furthermore, we know that the, the vaccines, in, in rare cases perhaps, but nevertheless, have caused blood clotting in women, even killed a woman. And that's why they paused the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. We know it can cause nerve damage, as can other vaccines. Uh, we know this. The CDC and the FDA have acknowledged this. And then furthermore, there's the religious objection, because all of the vaccines were at the very least developed, if not also produced, by using fetal stem cells. So there, there are obviously reasons that people might not want to get the, the vaccine. T to say nothing of the fact that the infection fatality rate is half a percent for people 65 and under. And for kids, for young people, the, the survival rate is 99.997%. And for teenagers, for most teenagers, it's 99.999%. So it just seems to me there are legit reasons to, to avoid getting this vaccine. And the left doesn't want us talking about it. And then when these rare events come up, like heart inflammation in, in a bunch of people, then they've got to pause the vaccine and it further, further squanders their credibility. And by the way, even as recently as last December, Joe Biden himself said he did not support mask mandates. Do you forget that? 
No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand it to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. Just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. I'll do everything in my power as a president of the United States to encourage people to do the right thing. And when they do it, demonstrate that it matters. So I, I misspoke and I said he didn't oppose, he didn't support mask mandates. He also didn't support mask mandates. But in addition, what he's speaking there at the top about is vaccine mandates. And he opposed both of those things. And now he supports both of those things. And it further tarnishes these people's credibility. But beyond the COVID stuff for a second, I've got to talk about a far worse proclamation that, that Joe Biden made. Far worse than anything involving the virus and the Wu flu and the masks and the shots. I'm talking about Joe Biden's historic first ever White House proclamation on Indigenous Peoples Day. Indigenous Peoples Day is the lib alternative to Columbus Day because in the lib telling Christopher Columbus, one of the greatest men in history, the man who discovered the new world without whom we would not be here right now. He was an evil, terrible monster and genocidal. And uh, they make a bunch of claims that simply aren't true. They base them on the dubious historical documents of a man named Francisco de Bobadilla, who was Columbus's chief political rival. It would be like basing a, a history of Donald Trump on Hillary Clinton's writings, or vice versa, history of Hillary Clinton on Donald Trump. It's just preposterous. Actually, the far more credible accounts are that, that Columbus, while a, a broken man as we all are, was actually relatively quite a lot kinder to the natives than, than uh, the other Spaniards were. And furthermore, that he was an intrepid explorer, a, dev, a man of, of devout Catholic faith, and one of the greatest men of his age, and, and of any age for that matter. So, now, we're not allowed to celebrate Columbus. We have to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. My only question is, which Indigenous Peoples are we celebrating? Are we celebrating the Taino Indians? That was the first amiable tribe that, that Columbus encountered when he arrived at San Salvador. Or are we talking about the Carib Islanders? The Carib Islanders are, are the people who attacked the Taino Indians. Columbus noticed that the Tainos had scars on their bodies and it, it, they got them from the Caribs, uh, from whom we get the word cannibal. They were a, a savage group of, of native Indians in the Caribbean. They ate people and they bred babies, uh, which they considered, in the words of Samuel Elliott Morrison, a Pulitzer Prize winning Harvard historian, uh, they considered babies to be a particularly toothsome morsel. So are, are we celebrating the baby-eating Carib cannibals? What about the Aztecs, perhaps? The, oh, those much-fetid Aztecs, you know, that wonderful civilization that we read about, destroyed by the awful Spanish conquistadors. The Aztecs who, at the consecration of their temple at Tenochtitlan, murdered, um, oh, yes, 80,000 people over the course of four days by ripping their still beating hearts out of their chest and then kicking their bodies down the pyramid. Does that, does that sound like the kind of indigenous people we're supposed to celebrate? What about the Iroquois? Perhaps the Iroquois would be a good example of this. The Iroquois who, who uh, also ripped out the still beating heart of their victims, one of whom was a Catholic saint, by the way, and uh, ate them alive. They engaged in ritual cannibalism. Are we, which, which indigenous peoples are we celebrating today? Now you might say, Michael, Michael, it's not fair to judge the indigenous peoples or any people for that matter by the worst things that they did and exclusively by the worst things that they did. Oh, is that so? Oh, is that so? I, I guess that's a fair point. 
So perhaps we ought to apply that standard to Columbus. Because if you apply the standard of only judging people by the very worst things that they did, first of all, most of the things that people accuse Columbus of doing, he didn't even do, as Carol Delaney, preeminent uh, Columbus historian, points out. They accuse him of doing things that actually other people did that very often he himself opposed. But, but even beyond that, let's, let's say that he actually did the things they accuse him of, which he didn't. When you compare him to the Aztecs and the Iroquois and the Caribs, he looks like a saint, far from a sinner. He looks, he looks like one of the greatest men in history. And so if we're going to celebrate the indigenous people, certainly much, much more so we ought to celebrate Columbus Day. And I encourage you to do just that. We got to stay safe here, folks. We got to protect our civilization and our homes and ourselves, which is why I would recommend you check out Ring. Help me help you. Help me give you peace of mind with Ring Alarm. You all know about Ring. I've been telling you about it for years. Ring allows you to see and speak to whoever is outside your door, whether you're in the house, whether you're at the office, whether you're on a beach on the other side of the world. You can do it all from a simple app. Well, it's not just your your front door. You can keep an eye on every inch of your home, indoors and outdoors, all from that wonderful app with Ring Alarm. It's super easy to install. It's extremely inexpensive. It's just amazing, amazing technology. And I have a lot of peace of mind, all right? When I go on the road, which is a fair bit, I love knowing that my beautiful wife and cute little baby can know who is outside the door before they open up that door. Just give yourself peace of mind. Protect your home anytime from anywhere with Ring Alarm. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, for a special offer on a Ring Alarm security kit today. Build a system that's right for your home. Have it up and running in minutes. Even you can install it. Even I can install it. Ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That's ring.com slash Knowles. Speaking of the Hispanic people, you know, without Christopher Columbus, there would be no such thing as Hispanics. There would, what is an Hispanic person or a Latino person? It's someone who descends from the native indigenous Americans and the Spaniards. And that mixture of peoples came together because of Christopher Columbus. So if you like a Latino, if you are a Latino, if you appreciate the Hispanic people, you, you ought to thank Christopher Columbus because without him, they would not exist. Well, speaking of the Hispanic people, President uh, Joe Biden is now uh, canceling all remaining contracts, border wall contracts that would try to secure our southern border. And the left typically tries to present the illegal immigration crisis as a, just a question of racism against Hispanics. Mind you, Hispanic people who came to this country legally are not exactly the biggest supporters of illegal immigration. Far from it, and the polls reflect that. But Joe Biden is, he is now even knocking down the pretense that he cares at all about the immigration crisis. The, the last stop against this sort of thing, the last physical representation of a way to prevent this crisis, the border wall, Joe Biden is ending. He's, can't, quote, canceling the remaining border wall, carrier contracts located within U.S. Border Patrol's Laredo sector, and all border barrier contracts located in the Rio Grande Valley sector. So I just, what I don't want to hear anymore is from the squish Republicans who say, Joe Biden's incompetence has led to a crisis at the border. It's not, he, Biden is somewhat incompetent on a number of, of issues. But what's happening at the border is not because of Democrat incompetence. It is by Democrat design. They want the border open. They want millions of illegal aliens 
foreign nationals to pour into this country. They think it will give them a permanent electoral majority. And so they're going to do it. And they don't particularly care for the American nation. So they hate the symbol of the American nation and the demarcator of the American nation, which is the border. They don't want there to be a border because they don't really want there to be an America. And if you can come up with some other explanation to me as to why at a time of unprecedented illegal immigration, Joe Biden would cancel the remaining border wall contracts, please, I'm all ears. Give me the alternative explanation. But to me, it seems pretty clear, just as it has for a long time, but this is, I think, indisputable, that the Democrats do not want there to be any sort of border to the South. They want to flood the country with foreign nationals. And they're going to entice foreign nationals to enter this country illegally. You're seeing this in the $3.5 trillion budget bill. And I hesitate even to call it a $3.5 trillion bill. It's not. It's actually more likely a $5.5 trillion bill. Even the New York Times, by the way, is admitting that it's going to cost more than $3.5 trillion. So this bill includes a whole lot of terrible stuff. But one of the more offensive aspects of it is that the bill promises free community college for illegal aliens, which is, which is offensive on two fronts. One, because Americans, ordinary Americans who follow the law, who just pay their taxes, they have to pay for their kid to go to college in most cases, right? They, they work hard. They pay for their kid to go to college. They're paying taxes. Even if they already get some tuition assistance at a community college, they're still paying taxes for that. And illegal aliens who flout our laws, who break our laws, they get to go on the American taxpayer's dime. That seems wrong. That seems unjust. But even beyond that, you, you now have a system where we are creating even more incentives for people to come across that border which is not particularly nice for the, the, even the illegal aliens themselves. They're just sort of pawns here and they've got to pay vicious coyotes and there's a lot of rape and sexual assault along the journey and a lot of crime and a lot of very bad stuff goes on. But people are so desperate to get into America, they're willing to do it. And it creates this incentive furthermore to erode the rule of law here. And the, <laughs> the cherry on top of that is that the left gets more people into their indoctrination centers, which is why they want to expand school. Used to be you'd go first grade to 12th grade. Then it was now everyone goes to kindergarten. Now it's everyone goes to pre-K. Now it's everyone goes to college. And they just want to keep students in that state indoctrination system for as long as possible, even if it's illegal aliens, because that will help them craft the future country. What is a country? What is a country? If foreign nationals are, tr are entitled to all the same goodies as citizens, then, then there is no such thing as a citizen. Then there is no such thing as a country. Then it's just a big space and it's a free-for-all and anyone can do what they want. If you, if you want to have a country, then you need to have something that distinguishes your place from other people's place and your people from other people's people. Okay. And if you don't, if nothing, if borders, if rights, if the ability to go to certain schools, if the ability to, to vote, even in some cases, illegal aliens can vote. If, if that doesn't distinguish the citizen from the non-citizen, then there is nothing that distinguishes them. And this is what the left has pushed for for a long time. And the New York Times is even admitting this now. So I pointed out years ago now at this point, that the protests of the American flag are not just some eccentric activity by the left to protest police brutality or whatever. I said, 
the flag is a symbol of the country. So if you are protesting the flag, if you're kneeling for the Star Spangled Banner, for instance, or if you are desecrating the flag, then you are protesting the entire country, which is an incoherent action, by the way. If you're going to rely on your First Amendment rights to attack the country without which the First Amendment rights wouldn't exist, that is an incoherent action. It doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense. And it's a really serious problem. And a lot of the squishes said, oh, who cares? Oh, Michael, stop being such a culture warrior. Oh, stop being so worried. It doesn't matter. They protest the flag. It's no big deal. Well, if you protest the flag long enough, then it's going to be quite clear you're protesting the country. And the New York Times is admitting this. The New York Times says, a 4th of July symbol of unity that may no longer unite. So the New York Times writes, today, flying the American flag from the back of a pickup truck or over a lawn is increasingly seen as a clue, albeit an imperfect one, to a person's political affiliation in a deeply divided nation. Right, that's true. When we used to say, when we used to say that the, the right is patriotic and the libs hate the country, we were told, that's not true. Dissent is patriotic. We're the most patriotic people in the world. Now they're kind of admitting this. They say, no, if you fly an American flag, you're probably a Republican. And... By the way, if you fly a a rainbow flag or a Black Lives Matter flag, that means you're probably a Dem because because the the libs don't like the American nation. So increasingly, conservatives and Republicans are defenders of the American nation and the libs are defenders of, call it liberal empire. You know, the, the rainbow flag is a symbol of empire and a specifically liberal empire that makes universal claims about sex and identity and that are just as true in Timbuktu as they are in the United States. It transcends national boundaries, which is what the left wants to do. They're now suggesting uh, at the New York Times that we have a new flag. They want a new flag because they want a new country. And if you want to keep your country, then you got to fight back against this stuff at the level of symbolism and at the level of raw political power. And speaking of the New York Times, I, I can't let this go. The, you know, begging for a new American flag is far from the least, most ridiculous thing that was in their paper over the past few days. The most ridiculous thing you might have seen in the New York Times was their epic correction. I'm just going to give you without any context on the the article that's being corrected. Here is the New York Times' correction. Usually, (laughs) corrections, what are, sorry, we said the number was 15 instead of 14. Sorry, we misspelled the name of the person we were writing about. That's one little line of a correction. Here's this New York Times correction. An earlier version of this article incorrectly described actions taken by regulators in Sweden and Denmark. They've halted use of the Moderna vaccine in children. They have not begun offering single doses. The article also misstated the number of COVID hospitalizations in U.S. children. It is more than 63,000 from August 2020 to October 21. Not 900,000 since the beginning of the pandemic. In addition, the article misstated the timing of an FDA meeting on authorization of the Pfizer biotech vaccine for children. It is later this month, not next week. But other than that, the article was totally right. Did, did the article get anything right? Because <laughs> the, the correction was about the length of an article. So typical uh, uh, attention to detail and fact and reality from the New York Times. And the sad thing is we'll make fun of this correction on the show. A a lot of conservatives will notice this correction and no one else will. They run the article on page A1. I don't know exactly where this particular article ran, but they they run the the wild sensational left-wing claims toward the front of the paper and they issue the correction days and days and days later, sometimes in print, sometimes just online, and you barely see it. So they get away with the story no credibility whatsoever. 
And it, it, when we catch it, you got you to remember to apply that to other stories. If they were dead wrong about that, what else are they dead wrong about? You know, Christopher Columbus, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you yet. Christopher Columbus was a great man, one of the greatest men in history. And the left is peddling a lot of anti-history to smear his name. So we're going to celebrate him. Columbus unlocked the greatest continent, our wonderful continent, and we're letting you unlock the greatest content. See what we did there? For 35% off today only, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe, enter code Columbus to get 35% off. Celebrate this terrific guy who made this great continent and content possible. Also tomorrow, Tuesday, October 12th, we are taking Backstage to an entirely new level. Instead of the usual Daily Wire studio, we're going to be live streaming our conversation on stage at the famous Ryman Auditorium right here in Nashville, doing what we do best, making sense. That's what we do. Is that what we do best? This will be an event and a live stream unlike any other we've ever done. We're thrilled to be able to share it with all of you. We've got a lot of exciting announcements, some of which you are certainly not going to want to miss. So be sure to tune in. Join me, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, Jeremy Boring, Matt Walsh, Andrew Clavin, and our live audience for a backstage like never before. Tomorrow's live stream will begin at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central. Head on over to dailywire.com or the Daily Wire YouTube channel to catch the show. We'll be right back with a lot more. We got some good news, which is a rarity these days in our news cycle, but some good news on this Columbus Day. Texas's pro-life law, the six-week abortion ban, is back in effect. Now, you might say, Michael, I didn't know it ever went out of effect. Yes, it did go out of effect because the law passes in Texas, and the law is a a sort of unique pro-life law. That's why it didn't just get smacked down right away. The law does not just outright ban abortion. They're not able to do that because of the ridiculous Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey decisions, because those decisions created a fictitious constitutional right to abortion. The laws in Texas and other states can't just outright ban abortion. So what they did was they permitted uh, citizens of the state, maybe citizens of other states too, to sue people who participate in an abortion, not the mother, but, but people who drive you there, people who perform the abortions, anyone who's associated with the abortion. And so that, for all intents and purposes, shuts down abortion. So some degenerate judge who wanted to legislate from the bench said, no, absolutely not. We're going to stop this law from taking effect. Well, now another federal judge has come in and lifted the injunction against the enforcement of the near total abortion ban. That was from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, Judge Robert Pittman had issued the injunction blocking the law, and now that has been lifted. So babies are going to be saved, at least for now, in Texas. The reason I even bring up this story, I'm sure this is going to be reversed 10 million more times before they, they settle the question. The reason I bring it up is to remind you, it's not enough just to pass the law. If we really lived under the schoolhouse rock kind of government, I'm a bill up on Capitol Hill, that sort of thing, then it might be enough. You pass the law and then it's good. Then you're all good and you can, okay, go home. We're all happy. But that's not how our government really works. Yes, you got to pass the pro-life law. Then you have to enforce it. Then you got to fight it in the courts and then you got to keep on fighting tooth and nail. We're going to be fighting this thing for years, for years to try to defend pro-life. The the passage of a law like this is not the end. It's only the beginning. And you've got to gear up for a years and years and years long battle. That's what the left has done. It's why they gained a lot of ground on abortion. And uh, if if we want to get that ground back, 
we're going to have to fight for a long time as well, because these are very sick people. These are very, very sick people who are defending abortion. I, I read an interview from the Lilly. I think this is put out by, what is it, from the Washington Post, I think. It, it was an interview of a Texas abortionist. Here's the headline. Abortion care is a calling for this Texas doctor. Now he faces a dilemma, risk lawsuits or quit. I looked into this, this guy. He, he said that, that killing babies is his quote, life's calling. He says, if I can keep doing this for the rest of my career, I will be very happy. He has kids. He's a deadbeat. So he doesn't, it's not like he sees his kids all that much. The fa- he left his family or his family left him and he didn't try to get them back. He, he's got these three kids, but his ex-wife says that even when they, he lived near the kids, he didn't see them very much. Quote, he was so involved in his career, then residency, then he found his love of abortion care. So even when he lived right down the road, he didn't see his kids very much because he was too obsessed with killing other people's babies. Now he's married to a second wife who is uh, a big lib. She was voted most likely to start a protest by her grad school peers. Uh, They refer to each other as partners, like they're either homosexuals or members of an accounting firm, but they don't refer to one another as their husband and wife, right? My husband, my wife. No, that's far too traditional. And actually, speaking of unusual sexual desires, he refers to himself as uh, queer, even though he's got a wife, but he refers to himself as queer and, quote, a little femi. So he's confused. He's confused. There's a lot of confusion going on here. And he spends his life uh, killing other people's babies. And he makes a lot of money doing it. You know, he's got student debt. He's got to pay child support. And so he makes money. Every, every time he kills a baby, he makes money for it. So obviously he wants to keep the business going, keep the racket going. And the, the reason I mention this, guys, one, just I, I'm, I'm actually sort of shocked that a left-wing outlet would give you a peek into these kinds of people. Because you just look at this guy and he looks like a creep. And he is a creep and he's a ghoul. But the other reason I bring it up is That guy, this doctor, is the logical conclusion of safe, legal, and rare, right? Safe, legal, and rare was the old Democratic line on abortion, which is they wanted, they defended killing babies en masse, million a year, but they didn't, they understood that that was an evil thing. So they didn't want to take total ownership of it. So they say, look, for whatever reason, it has to be legal, but it should be rare. It's not like I support abortion. I just support the right to choose. Well, that never made sense because if abortion is morally similar to murder, then it shouldn't be legal. And if it's not, if it's just like getting your appendix out, then there's no reason for it to be rare. And the moment you start defending the right, quote unquote, the right to an abortion, eventually you have to defend its substantive goodness as well. And that's what the left is doing now. He's saying it's his life's calling. He just, he loves it. He is bloodlust knows no end. And so this guy might be a particular psychopath, but anyone who is going to defend abortion ultimately has to partake of this kind of argument. And and to see it unvarnished, to just look at the disorder of this thing right in the eyes, uh, I I think tells you what side you ought to be on. Do you want to be on the side of this psycho or do you want to be on the side of uh, the babies, of protecting the little innocent babies? Speaking of the sexual revolution, Got to defend my buddy Charlie Kirk for a moment. Charlie Kirk, as he often does, was trending on Twitter. He got in trouble. Charlie is always getting himself in trouble. And Media Matters and Jason Campbell, who I refer to as my personal publicist, he is one of the people who 
we're at Media Matters. They work. They just watch all of our shows all day and they try to get us fired. And they haven't, they've gotten close sometimes, but they, they have not succeeded in doing that. So he was going after Charlie and he pulled this clip from Charlie. He said, this is shocking. This is insane. He says, quote, Charlie Kirk warns that Democrats want you living in sexual anarchy. Here's what Charlie said. You think we're still living in the 1980s where the Democrats actually want what's best for America? The Democrats want to destroy the country. We know this. This is not new stuff. It's not profound thinking. They want to see America completely obliterated, the Constitution shredded, and remade in their own San Francisco, Brooklyn, Malibu, Manhattan image, where there is no cultural identity, where you live in sexual anarchy, where private property is a thing of the past, and the ruling class controls everything. We know this. Crazy that Charlie, can you believe Charlie said that's insane? I totally disagree. But uh, what, but what did he get wrong exactly? What, what part of what he just said was wrong? I think a conservative will listen to that and say, no, that's obviously just common sense. But what's weird here is that I think even a liberal, even some left winger like the people at Media Matters, if they're being honest, which they usually are not, but if they're being honest, at least with themselves, I think they would agree with what Charlie said too. What, do we, what is sexual anarchy? Seems to me that the, the dominant view of sexual morality since the 1960s, at least, is if it feels good, do it. If you want to do something sexually, if you want to have premarital sex, if you want to hook up, if you want to do if you, whatever you want to do, if, if you want to do it, you should do it. And there's only one little caveat here, which is that everything's got to be consensual. So if things are not consensual, then eventually you get some Me Too problems and things. They're not going to go that far as to defend rape. But anything short of non-consensual sex, it seems to me the left defends. Right? That, well, what is sexual anarchy? Sexual anarchy, anarchy, right? Anarchy is the system where there's no formal government. You don't really have to follow any, any rules beyond the defense of one's own radical individual autonomy and consent. And then you apply this in the realm of sex. It seems like Charlie is using a very precise term to describe exactly what the left wants. But the left knows that that's insane at some deep, deep down level. I think the left knows that that is insane to say that sexually or in any other aspect of life, you can do absolutely whatever you want and there are no rules and no moral order whatsoever. So they don't want to admit that, but that is what they're saying and that is what they're defending. And Charlie Kirk was absolutely 100% correct. Speaking of consent, you might have some trouble getting back from a vacation, getting to a business trip, even getting here to, to Nashville for our backstage show tomorrow. I got a very sad message. I got an Instagram from someone who was unpacking her bag because she had booked a flight to come to Nashville for the backstage show. She bought her ticket, but she couldn't come because a lot of airlines, notably Southwest Airlines, is canceling a ton of flights. Just yesterday, Southwest canceled more than a thousand flights, a thousand flights, 25%, more than 25% of all the flights they had that day. Now, the airline hasn't explained why they canceled the flights. They tried to kind of blame it on weather, but I don't think it was weather. I'm skeptical that it was weather. I suspect they're trying, quote, to recover our operation because of a reported and rumored employee sick out that employees, not just of 
of Southwest, but of a lot of other airlines are protesting the vaccine mandate because while one may, might, might make the prudential judgment to get the vaccine, right? They might say, oh, my risk from the vaccine is not so great. And my risk from the virus might be a little high. So, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to get the vaccine. And plenty of people have done that. And ostensibly they seem like they're completely fine. But other employees might say, you know, I'm healthy. I'm young. There is some risk of the vaccine. I'm not so afraid of my risk from the virus. So I'm not going to get it. And you Southwest and you OSHA and you Joe Biden are not going to make me get it. And so they're protesting it. And now the flights are canceled and that's too bad. And I'm very sorry for people whose flights are canceled. And I travel all the time by airplane and I bet some of my flights are going to be canceled too. And that's going to be very inconvenient, but this is actually great news. And the great news is this, the people still have a lot of power. The people still have, the ruling class has taken a ton of political power, a disproportionate amount of political power. That's true in big tech. It's true in the government. It's true in corporations. It's true in the schools. They, they are punching above their weight in terms of their political power, but the people still have some power too. And if you just don't go along with this stuff and you do so in a respectful, dignified, moral way, but you just don't really go along with the overreaches of these, of these predator <laughs> ruling class oligarchs, you're still going to have some power. And they're, they're really going to get upset when, they're, when their flights do not show up on time. You know, speaking of the people versus the ruling class, I have to mention this at least briefly. The Economist, just sort of just like the, the neoliberal establishment magazine. The Economist is trying to get us to eat bugs again. They ju- these guys really want us to eat bugs. I don't want to eat bugs, but the, the neolibs, the ruling class, they really want, you see an article about this every week, it seems. Someone's trying to say, you know, bugs are really good. Oh, bugs are a good source of protein. We, you know, humans have historically shunned bugs, but we need to because bugs are sustainable and it'll stop global warming and the sun monster. And so you got to eat bugs. And you know, there's a meme that has arisen in response to this where people say, I will not live in the pod. I will not eat the bugs. I will not consume your product or comply or go along with this. Why not? Why not is the question that the economist and the ruling class asks. Why won't you just eat the bugs? Why won't you eat the bugs? What, what rational argument are you going to, I get you're freaked out and creeped out by them, but what's the rational argument for not eating the bugs? My argument is this, it's yucky. It's yucky and it's uncivilized and it's what savages do, but it's not what civilized people do. And I don't want to. And we all have this kind of wisdom of repugnance that we just don't want to eat the bugs. We don't want to eat the bugs and we don't have to eat the bugs. There is more to life than just matter. Okay. Life is not just measured in the grams of protein. (laughs) in in any particular thing, all right? There is culture, there is civilization, there is refinement. There is a a kind of wisdom that, that, that defies the rationalist utilitarian calculations of our idiotic ruling class. And, And I think we ought to trust that a lot more. And we still have the political right to defend it. Speaking of the gap between the ruling class and the people, Terry McAuliffe, governor of Virginia, running for re-election. He's running against the Republican Glenn Youngkin. He just got called out. He just got smacked down on a local news channel. He was asked about this nationwide phenomenon of, of parents showing up to their school boards, parents of every color, of every shape, of every stripe saying, we do not want you instructing our kids in critical race theory and these kooky, insane, vicious racial ideologies and gender ideologies for that matter. And we, we don't want that in our schools. So Terry McAuliffe, the governor of Virginia, backed himself into a corner here 
because he's got to defend critical race theory and pretend that it doesn't exist. And the, the anchor on this show is not having it. So how do you define it? It, it? Anita, it is not taught here in Virginia. But how do you define it? Doesn't matter. It's not taught here in well, Virginia, so I'm not going to spend my time. On, on what it is. I'm not even spending my time because the school board and everyone else has come out and said it's not taught. It's racist. It's a dog whistle. But if we don't have a definition, how can we say it's racist? I just want a definition from yeah. you. It, it's not taught here in Virginia. We can ask about any topic. Here's what I've said all along. And it really bothers me. You know, I re it really bothers me. This whole idea of stirring parents up to create di divisions. Our children are going through such challenges today because of COVID. And we're talking about something here today, wasting precious viewers' time. Uh-huh. Keep spinning, buddy. Do you see the, the, the two arguments he's making simultaneously are critical race theory does not exist here. And if you oppose it, you're a racist. So hold on, wait, you, I thought it doesn't exist. Yeah, but if you oppose it, the thing that doesn't exist, you're a big racist. Mm, huh, and, and the woman, good honor. I mean, she really holds his feet to the fire. She says, I'm not asking you whether or not it exists here. I'm just asking you so we can have a conversation and so we can ascertain whether or not it exists. What is it? Because it doesn't, it's not here. Yeah, right, but whether it's here or not, what is, what is critical race theory? And he won't, he won't give a definition. And it's not because he's a stupid man. It's because he knows that the moment he does define critical race theory, it will become quite clear that it is taught in these Virginia schools. Critical race theory, a derivation of critical theory, a line of Marxist thinking that examines the culture. I've got, here it is. I've got the, I've got the definitive collection of critical race theory essays here. And it is less a, a unified theory than it is a gadfly on other systems. But the short version of it is that America is a white supremacist place. Whiteness is evil. Whiteness needs to be abolished. Even the American system of capitalism is infused and imbued with this whiteness. And so it's evil and wrong. And we've got to abolish it and completely upend the culture. That, that's basically what it is. I mean, it makes other claims too, but that's what it is. And that is being taught in schools and in boardrooms and all throughout the culture and parents have every right to oppose it. And we, we ought to oppose it. That's where a lot of this anti-Columbus stuff comes from too, by the way. It's just anti-Western culture, right? Columbus is in many ways an embodiment of Western civilization. He's a self-made man, an intrepid explorer, uh, you know, the admiral of the ocean sea, deeply, devoutly Catholic, spread the gospel, really great guy. And uh, so people hate Columbus for that. There was a TikTok that just, just went viral. These, I'm not on TikTok yet myself, but I, I see them posted all around. And so here is a young individual of sort of androgynous presentation uh, going out and, and saying that if you defend Columbus, you're evil, you're racist, you're stupid, and you're uneducated. So he's going to educate us. No matter what I say, there's still going to be that person that celebrates Columbus today. You Trump supporters are all for Donald Trump building this wall, right? You want the immigrants banned so badly, but let me educate you. Illegal immigration place. started with Columbus, and here are the facts. Okay, how's that? Columbus came to their land, and he was not welcomed there. When he okay, arrived, on, the indigenous... This is, this is one frustrating uh, uh, slogan from the left. They say, you know, Amer America's had immigrants from the very beginning, because all the, the, the settlers who came here were immigrants. No, they weren't. They were settlers. They were conquerors, is what they were. That's different. That's different than immigration. I understand there's some similarity here, but it's not that Columbus applied to the Taino or Carib, uh, you know, uh, uh, border agency, right? He came and he 
interacted somewhat peaceably with some of them and then conquered others of them. And that, that's what happened. That's what the Spaniards did. Very different sort of thing. And by the way, indigenous people conquer other indigenous people. The, we talk about the Lakota at, who, who had Mount Rushmore. They had uh, the Black Hills and they always whine and complain about how the Americans took the land from them, their sacred, wonderful land. Well, the Lakota only had the Black Hills starting in 1776 and they took it from other Native American tribes, including the Cheyenne. So do we give it back to the Lakota or do we give it back to the Cheyenne? The, the, the Native Americans are people, right? They are human beings. And I think we, we diminish them when we pretend that they're just some like pets or animals or something living in this peaceable harmony. No, they were men conquering other men, just like happens in the West and the East and everywhere else. And in the case of Columbus and the Spaniards, the Western civilization conquered their native tribes. And in many cases, that was a very good thing because those tribes were up to a lot of bad stuff, including widespread human sacrifice and cannibalism and, and all other manner of evil. You know, when Arawak people of Native America, they didn't kick him out. They didn't ban him. They didn't build a wall. They didn't say he didn't belong there. They welcomed him with open arms. They shared their resources and culture with him. That's not quite true. Some of them were amiable, but others were To murder them, to steal from them. You want to talk about looting during Black Lives Matter protests? He was one of the first looters. Not only did he steal their land, he stole their culture and he forced his cultural practices on them. He didn't steal their culture. Christopher Columbus he was it. never a hero. He was always a villain. Stop believing the lies. He was always a villain. So you say, I guess the claim here is that it's bad. It's bad to go in and cancel other people's cultures, right? But the left that makes this argument wants to cancel the Western culture and take down our statues and take down our heroes and take down the things that we believe, and no, including the statues of Christopher Columbus, but other people as well. So then it, it doesn't just become this cultural relativistic argument. It becomes this idea that the indigenous culture was really good. And there were some nice aspects of it. They invented cigars, for instance, and there were some bad aspects of it, like uh, ritual cannibalism and uh, you know widespread human slaughter and sacrifice. So Good parts and bad parts. But the argument from the left is the indigenous culture, good. Western civilization, greatest civilization, greatest culture ever in the history of the world, bad. And that argument is absolutely preposterous. It reminds me of a line from Tony Soprano when his son uh, was reading Howard Zinn's Left Wing Crazy History and, and his son started speaking ill of Columbus. I will bid you all a happy Columbus Day and I will let Tony Soprano play us out. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. His history teacher, Mr. Cushman, is teaching your son that if Columbus was alive today, he would go on trial for crimes against humanity like Milosevic and, you know, Europe. Your teacher said that. It's not just my teacher. It's the truth. It's in my history book. So you finally read a book and it's bullshit. Tony. Look, you had to walk in Columbus's shoes to see what he went through. People thought the world was flat for crying out loud. Then he lands on an island with a bunch of naked savages on it. I mean, that took a lot of guts. You remember when we went to Florida, the heat and those bugs? Well, like it took guts to murder people and put them in chains. He was a victim of his time. Uh, who cares? It's what he did. He discovered America is what he did. He was a brave Italian explorer. And in this house, Christopher Columbus is a hero. End of story. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. 
The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Columbus Day has been increasingly replaced by Indigenous Peoples Day, but I still say we should celebrate him, and I'll explain why. Also, Southwest canceled thousands of flights right as its employees went on strike over its vaccine mandates, but the media insists that the two issues are somehow not connected at all. Plus, the family of the Texas school shooter continues to defend him, even though he brought a gun to school and shot people. And we'll talk about one of the most nauseating ESPN segments ever aired on the network. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.